0: Welcome to Farscape Friday, episode 13. We'll be discussing the Farscape episode, Rhapsody in Blue. I'm Kay here with my co-host, Taz. Hello. Let's get started. Welcome back. Here's a quick summary of Rhapsody in Blue. The ship is pulled to a distant planet by a Delvian sect. While the entire crew suffers from Delvian-induced hallucinations, Zan struggles to keep her sanity after performing unity with the insane sect leader.
1: So if you were with us last week when we did the Flax, you will know that the Flax and Rhapsody in Blue are out of order. Uh, The DVD order has Rhapsody in Blue coming first and then the Flax, uh, we messed that up because the airing order is opposite, which is how it's listed on Netflix. and so. That's why we're doing Rhapsody in Blue this week. So this episode is all about Xan, and we learn about her backstory, we learn more about her homeworld, and we learn about the Delvians and their spiritual powers within the priesthood. And we also get our second round of non-consensual mind games, um, which become a hallmark of Farscape. And through that process, we learn more about John's past, which I think is where we're going to start today.
0: Yeah, this episode opens with John in bed with Alex. Who is his old girlfriend? And I have to pause because I cannot get over the room that they are in. (laughs) I am like, I literally had to like pause and like look at it for a really long time because I was like, no. (laughs) Oh, they went there. I know, right? It's like satin sheets. And like a red like blanket and there are rose petals all over the place. And there's like champagne. It's insane. It's like a window room too. like all the walls are windows. I'm like, (laughs) what is going on? It's telegraphing love. That's what it's doing. I know we're, we're definitely supposed to read from this scene that they are in love. We find out that she's an ex-girlfriend of his who takes a job at Stanford and he was thinking about proposing to her, but he didn't because she is moving all the way across the continent. And there are a couple of things I want to talk about here. One, John, get over yourself. (laughs) Cause like, she's like, well, I'm taking a job at Stanford and he is like so mad and he's like really pouting. And I'm kind of like, I don't think bed is the best place to be having this conversation. Right. But also it, it felt very 1990s to me. Mm -hmm. Of course she's going to. That yeah, is her she, profession.
1: She needs to take the job that's good for her, for her career. And if that doesn't line up romantically, then that doesn't line up romantically. It happens all the time. Or they mean to make it work, you know? People make long-distance relationships work like that. Mm-hmm. And he's just, he's very the guy, you must give up your job for me kind of thing. And it's just, I mean, it's not like overtly, like it's not like beating you over the head with it, but that's definitely the undertone that's coming through there. Mm-hmm. And it is annoying.
0: Yeah, it's 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 definitely annoying in retrospect. So they all wake up and they come up to the they come up to command deck because the ship has suddenly entered starburst and so they all show up in their pajamas and i have to point out (laughs) that i loved seeing them in their pajamas because they all always wear almost the same outfit except for john and uh, john is like the barbie doll of Farscape but anyway so they all almost always wear the same outfit and so now we get to see them how they are asleep which is a different outfit.
1: Mm -hmm. Rigel's got like a little robe on and Zan is wearing a, a sheet wrapped around her which to me implies she sleeps naked because we've seen her naked plenty of times already. I can't remember what Dargo is wearing though do you remember? It's like a robe it's like this a black version or I think it's a red version of this black robe that he and Aaron wore one time. Oh right. Yeah when they were doing fighting fighting things yeah. And then John comes in in his gray shirt and underwear, um, some white boxers, and Aaron comes in in a gray tank top and white boxers. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to do
0: white shirt watch a little early because the fact that John has two pairs of underwear now implies that he had a change of clothes on board his ship, which now implies to me that maybe he was intending to be gone for more than one day. I don't know. I don't understand. That ship is not big enough.
1: I know. He wouldn't be able to change clothes on his little module. I mean, he can barely move in there. He can barely fit two people in there. Yeah. So, I mean, like, here's the thing. If he was going to be gone for, I don't know, let's say three or
0: four days, right? Technically, in three or four days, you don't really need that much space if you're wearing, like, a catheter. You know what I mean? Like, let's say he has a catheter in, and then he has food easily accessible. And, like, you really don't need that much space you don't need a change of clothes though
1: (laughs) right right (laughs) anyway but that it does explain where the gray shirt comes from though if the gray shirt was part of his change of clothes then the white shirt and the gray shirt were what he had with him from earth and Mm -hmm. the black shirt's the one he he steals from peacekeeper stores anyway that's my theory
0: (laughs) okay so that was White shirt watch. I think the episode's and over now, right? Yeah, we did white shirt watch. Did we mention how this comes <laughs> up because Aaron is wearing his underwear? Oh my god, my favorite part. <laughs> this is, we didn't get the clip because it's so short, but if you are any sort of Aaron fan, it's so hers. He literally looks at her and he's like, Those are my underwear. And she like opens up the back and she like pulls out the label and she's like, What does that say? And he's like, Calvin. And she goes, <laughs> Then they're not yours. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great oh i love Aaron so much oh Aaron's the best yeah okay so they arrive at this planet and the reason that moya immediately went to starburst and everybody's like pilot why'd you go into starburst and he's like i didn't do it moya did it is because moya heard another pregnant leviathan
1: yeah and i just want to go back real quick before we we go by it completely it comes up when they're on command that they all had dreams of their lovers their last lover um Rigel and his multiple wives and Dargo and his wife and as we already discussed John and Alex and Zan and Aaron both deny that they had that kind of shared dream but the men all agree that they had a shared dream and it comes up later that Zan did and we'll get into that
0: but Aaron I don't know that she did and I wonder what it says about her if she didn't have a lover that she could have remembered
1: yeah so, can I just put a spoiler warning here right now? So, if you don't want spoilers for season two, take a little break. But what if she did remember? I can't remember. Is Velaric? Anyway, Velar- someone in season two that we do find out she had a lover and just didn't admit it, you know? Because mm-hmm. that was a very painful experience for her. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, food for thought later.
0: Yeah. And I mean, we can talk about Velaric later. But I, I, that was my immediate thought too, was that we, we explicitly know that in canon, she did have a lover, but because her feelings with him are so complicated, I wonder, and she never really admits to loving him. I do wonder if she didn't love him enough that the memory would have been easily accessible the same way, yeah. because it seemed like the Delvians just chose the most easily accessible last sexual memory that all of these people had Yeah, and pulled that out. So maybe for her, it wasn't a sexual memory.
1: Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's true. So it turns out that
0: some Delvian priests have summoned the ship to this distant planet. And it's they're still in the uncharted territories because it turns out that this is a sect that has fled the Delvian homeworld. Mm-hmm. And so they invite the crew down to the planet. And John, Aaron, and Zan all go down. Aaron was supposed to go without a gun, but who can actually see her doing that? Raise their hand. No hands are raised. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Crickets. So Aaron brings a gun, and she and John actually go and get supplies, and that's what they're they're mainly doing while they're there. And Zan meets with Tallinn, who is one of the leaders of the sect who brought her there for a very specific reason. And it has to do with how the spiritual powers of Delvians interact with their baser impulses. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, I was kind of confused for the first 10 minutes, and I'd seen this episode before. Did you have that reaction at all? Um, I did, but I liked it. Okay. Because I felt like
0: a lot of times in sci-fi shows, there tends to be this thing where things are very explained very, very clearly because they're so strange. Mm-hmm. And because Zan's powers are very mystic and very kind of, you know, hand-wavy in general... The fact that we were confused implies that the writers knew what they were doing. Like, Im- implies that the writers had this structure set up and that two people that knew what was going on didn't have to have the as-you-know-Bob conversation. Right. Do you know right. what I mean? The, like, telling didn't come up and be like, well, as you know, Zan, <laughs> when, you, yeah. when you do this, you go insane. I would like to play the clip so that we can kind of get a feeling for how the writers introduced Zan's plot.
1: Why did you us here? Search yourself, Zan. You know why. I do not.
0: What I do know is you invaded my soul last night and you left me bitter.
1: Your friends were happy with their remembrances, were they not? So you caused me to
0: remember. We always remember, Zan. We simply
1: choose to ignore. So there we have Talene, who's the the leader of the sect who brought them there. And she's saying, you know why we need you. Uh, Basically alluding to Zan's past, where she has this ability to avoid going insane. Um, I'm not explaining this very well. No, it's because it's kind of
0: confusing. Like, yeah, you're right about it being a little bit confusing. But I think the gist is that if you go too quick, if you dive too deeply into the I don't know, spiritual realm, if you use too many of your spiritual abilities too quickly, something like that, like if you, yeah, if you go too quickly down the path of, let's call it enlightenment, because I don't think it's technically enlightenment, but that's the metaphor that they kind of are using. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Let's use yeah. that. Yeah. So if you go down the path towards enlightenment too quickly, then you open up your, your soul to your darker impulses and they will take over. Yeah. Whereas if you go slowly, then you're able to control them. Is I think the idea,
1: yeah, and the the Enlightenment gives you mental powers. So Tallinn has certain mental powers, and Zan has different set a different set of mental powers. And we actually already saw her use um, a subset of those when she was in old black magic and using her ability to cause pain, and also with Moya and IET when she was able to absorb pain. So those are you know kind of the range, some of the range that we've already seen, and. How those powers and their, your ability to use them interact with your dark impulses—that seems to be the main conflict with the Delvians—is that if you—if you're not—and I think you just said this, but if you're—if you're not using your powers wisely or too quickly, then they get subsumed and you go insane because there isn't this balance that's maintained. You're out of balance.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it turns out that you have
0: a physical, or that Delvians have a physical reaction to this, which is that. Um, their eyes turn red and Zan has says it has something to do. And it, it sounds like it may maybe like particles of your brain that are actually.
1: Yeah, I don't know if it's particles of the brain, but some sort of chemical that they produce through this process going through the brain. And that's what causes the insanity. That was my interpretation.
0: Yeah, because it's not just like a hand-wavy magic thing that we're also supposed to believe that the spiritual side of Delvians also has a very physical component.
1: Right, and physical consequences. Mm -hmm. And actually, I'm going to play another quote from Tuzak. Yeah, Tuzak. Yeah. Pao Tuzak. He He was the original leader of this sect who led them from Delvia to what they're calling the new moon of Delvia out in the uncharted territories. And he has already gone insane. Um, And he's talking to John in this clip.
0: I am here because of you, peacekeeper. (sighs) I'm not a peacekeeper. Yes, you are. I am insane. Yeah, that would have been my next guess. Insane because of you. Because I touched inside what I needed to touch you outside.
1: So there's two things in this clip. One, John is recognized as a peacekeeper. I think for the first time, really, right, by mm-hmm. someone, by an external person, uh, because he he looks like a Sebastian. But it's Tuzak's identifying him as a peacekeeper and saying that's your fault. I'm this way, and I really like his quote there, with "I had to touch something inside in order to touch you outside." So it's like. Diving into these mental powers is what has allowed him to fight back against the peacekeepers. And it gives them the motivation for why they are rushing down this path of enlightenment, as we're calling it, and trying to get these mental powers in the first place and why it's so important to the Delvians. And the reason is they want to fight back against the peacekeeper occupation of Delvia. Mm -hmm. And that really gets into the backstory that we learn about both Delvia and Xan in this episode. So it turns out that Delvia is the second planet that we know where peacekeepers
0: didn't come in and conquer, where peacekeepers were called in to act as essentially um, mercenaries on behalf of people who wanted power or wanted to stay in power, even though it wasn't the way that the planet was run. So we have Rigel, whose cousin, a cousin? Cousin. Yeah. Cousin Bashir. Whose cousin used the peacekeepers to have a coup. And take power from Rigel. And we find out from Zan that her old mentor used the peacekeepers to keep himself in power because he was, I guess, the one of the head priests of mm-hmm. Delvia. He brought in the peacekeepers in order to stay in power, even though the, the law was that he had to give up power after right. a certain amount of years.
1: Right. Yeah. So we learn a little bit more about the, the Delvian Government, I guess you know the the priests yeah. have a very strong presence in their political life as well as in their spiritual life, and so the sect that has come out has been part of the resistance to both the government that invited the peacekeepers in and the peacekeepers themselves. Mm-hmm. Which is why Zan trusts them so quickly, because we find out Talin
0: uses her mental powers of thought manipulation. To show John the crime that Zan committed that got her imprisoned, which is that she killed her ex-leader, Batan. Batan.
1: Sometimes it's really hard to hear and note it down.
0: I should probably have looked it up. Yeah, uh, it's okay. I I could have looked it up. <laughs> so Zan killed Batan while they were supposed to be going into Unity. She um she essentially ripped his mind out of his body and killed him.
1: Let's explain what Unity is real quick. That's another one of those kind of strange concepts that we learned about in this episode. So unity is like sex and soul sharing and extreme intimacy, mind sharing. sharing. And it leaves both the participants, this two people, both very vulnerable and very powerful at the same time with respect to the other person.
0: Yeah. So while they were kind of in this shared mind state, which the, you know, shared soul state, which the show shows us by essentially juxtaposing both of them. Uh, on top of each other a little bit so that their, you know, their heads are over their, their heads, but not their faces are over. Yeah, it's like a Janus head with has two faces. Mm-hmm. So she killed Batan while they were sharing unity. And that's why she was put in prison. And so she really, really empathizes with this sect that ran away from Delvia so that they could all come, become paus. which let's say that, I mean, I guess from this episode, we're supposed to understand that there's Delvians who are all apparently Spiritual beings, and then there's paus who are kind of like priests, and then there was the highest level of Pau who was like her ex, you know, her ex-lover Batan, who are
1: the, they're part of the political political organization. So she she comes upon this
0: sect, to them, and they're all trying to become paus so they can all go back to Delvia and overthrow the peacekeepers and get Delvia back to its natural order, and they need Zan because Zan. Managed to kill somebody, which was giving in to her baser instincts, and which she, sh- she did go insane from, but then she brought herself back from insanity, which is something that apparently nobody else has ever done or heard of.
1: Right. So Taline wants to share unity with Zan in order to learn... How to do this so that they can protect themselves from the madness that they are beginning to undergo and that Tuzak has already undergone.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is what he refers to when he's talking to John. Yeah. Where he's like, you know, I, I touch something inside myself in order to touch you. Because his, his sect of Delvian priesthood or I guess whatever, unlike Zan's where she has the ability to give and receive pain... His has the ability to give and receive memories and thoughts. Right. And it it was really interesting to me that different Delvian sects are presented as having different abilities. Yeah. And also that they showed this in a very physical way. Like, Zan is bald, and she wears, like, these long, flowy blue clothes. And all the characters in this sect, all the women, had curly hair. And they all wore, uh, I don't know, like, satin, like, very structured dresses. Yeah,
1: and they had, like, the gold, the gold... Lining of them on them too. Mm -hmm. And like gold on their face. Yeah. There was one character, one of the male characters, who was also bald. But it's showing the range of how Delvians can be presented. And I really liked seeing all the variety that you could have. Mm -hmm. Because we
0: talked about how red isn't really a Delvian's color back in Thank God It's Friday again. And so this is just a way to show that you can still do something similar. Like, it's still blue, but it's just so vastly different that it's a very marked distinction Mm -hmm. between the two sects.
1: Yeah. So Tallinn betrays Zan when Zan shares unity with her, which... Surprise, surprise! You know, we kind (laughs) of saw that one coming. And how she betrays Zan is instead of letting Zan kind of share her ability, like the small part of it, um, which she initially says she wants, she basically tries to rip out all of her ability to do it, which basically is like the way I read it as... Is ripping away all of Zan's control and mm-hmm. the way she keeps herself balanced internally. And so Zan comes out of it and she's got the madness in her eyes, the red eyes that we were talking about showing that she's starting to go in- insane. And you can see this personality shift in her as well. Mm-hmm. That is is pretty marked and kind of funny. <laughs> I, I kind of <laughs> like Zan when she's a little bit crazy. Yeah, I mean, not that it's a good thing for the character, obviously, but she's she comes across as, you know, the mercenary not caring. Anyway, I'm going to play the clip of her and John talking after it happens. After all she's done... Yes, I will join in unity with her one more time. You know, you're full of it. <laughs> you're gonna kill her, aren't you? Just like you did your lover. You were always the most
0: clever one on Moya,
1: but I will not miss you. Sam, just... Stop, stop thinking about Tallinn. I want you to think about yourself for a little while. The urge to give retribution is intoxicating. I have missed it. And she's just got this great look on her face when she's saying that line. Like she's very happy and pleased and she's got this plan and she's going to be nefarious and carry it out and murder Tallinn for what she's done to her. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's so mercenary. It actually kind of reminded me of her DNA Mad Scientist a little bit. That very calculated, cold Zan coming out to play a little bit.
0: Because mm-hmm. it definitely reminded me of Mad Scientist a lot, too. And it also reminded me of, uh, you know, the Joker yeah. from Batman. Yeah. Like, that's what it felt like. Kind of like the insane, but having your own reasons mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. So one thing we haven't talked about is the reason John is still there is because Zan wanted him there. And she sent Aaron back to the ship because she and Aaron still really haven't clicked. But she and John have clicked.
1: Yeah, Aaron gets kicked out by the other, two of the other Pauus, I think. But but Zan doesn't, like, fight for her to stay mm-hmm. or anything like that. But she did fight for John to stay. She really
0: wants him there because she wants, she knows that sharing unity with Tallinn isn't isn't the smartest move?
1: Yeah, she's self-aware enough to know that there are issues with this idea that she has, or with Taline's proposal, and she wants John to basically hear her out and then give her a reality check, mm-hmm. which he tries to do. But at the same time,
0: the other Delvians are at at Taline's instruction are quote distracting them with fantasies and hallucinations like you would children. <laughs>
1: yeah, distracting the crew.
0: Which, you know, one of the Delvians that's doubting Tulleen kind of points out, you know, is that really how you would treat your children? (laughs) They do that by making John believe that Alex, instead of leaving him for Stanford, had stayed with him, co-piloted the Farscape module with him, and thus had experienced the past, I don't know, year or so of adventures
1: with him. Yeah, several months anyway. The Alex that they pull out of his mind
0: is I think so much more his fantasy of Alex. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, she's part Aaron. Like, when she first comes up, she's dressed very similarly to Aaron, and she's got that very brusque kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, like, let's get this done. But then in order to keep him distracted, she keeps getting into more and more the stereotype of, like, the doubtful, like, why don't you ever put me first? Why are you putting Zan first? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, God.
1: Yeah, and it's actually kind of funny that the... That Zan is the one offered as the competition, especially since, well, obviously we watched the episodes out of order, but the growing relationship between John and Aaron is the stronger one on the sexual front, as opposed to John and Zan, where they are just friends. But the competition, the the love triangle, if you will, that's presented into his mind is that he is cheating on Alex to be with Zan. And it's just Mm -hmm. an interesting twist on how that would otherwise normally play out. Yeah, because I mean, I do have the question, if this
0: was a different show, and if they had attached, you know, another female character with John, and it was John and somebody else that ended up on Moya, I don't know, I I think that it definitely would have been a much more boring show to me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because it would have definitely, it would have devolved into that old stereotype of Mm -hmm. like, Man stuck with boring wife while presented with the option of a much hotter, cooler (laughs) alternate woman
1: or something like that. Yeah, I don't I don't think I would like that show either, because you would already have the established, you know, they already have the baseline established character beats because Alex is presented as being his wife and he did ask her to marry him and stuff. And it's just I don't know where would that have gone in the context of the show that we get with Erin, especially and her character growth. So I don't know. It's an interesting thought question, though. Mm-hmm. The character, La, I wrote down her name.
0: Let's see. Lorana. Her name? Lorana.
1: Who's actually Lerana. played by the same actress as the woman who plays um, Alex. Yeah. Plays the same actress. Which is, okay, when I found that out, though, I
0: did have the question, was Alex ever real? Was Alex ever real, or was she always just Lorana?
1: I think she was a real person. Like, I think that John did have a woman named Alex in his past that he well, wanted to marry him. And I think that because of the shared dream that Rigel and Dargo also have, and they clearly wasn't made up people with them either. You know, it was Dargo's wife and it was Rigel's wives. And so I think that's why it's, (laughs) oh, Rigel, (laughs) he gets a high five for that one, I think. And so that's why I think that Alex is a real person. But how much of her personality afterward is that lorana is playing is real because this is a thing that kind of made me mad not as in the show is written poorly but just because it's kind of insulting to john and i'm insulted on his behalf that alex the hallucination of alex is constantly trying to distract him by kissing him and hanging on him and like come here i want to go have sex with you kind of thing while john is legitimately worried about zan and trying to go help her and all these things. And I just find it insulting that Lorana thinks that he can be led around with his dick and be drawn away just by the distraction of sex. And I think it's Mm -hmm. to John's credit that he is a person that is not completely driven by those baser needs. And yeah, he's distracted by Alex, but not to the point where he can't help Zan. And that's actually, you know, this whole episode kind of hinges on his relationship with Zan. It's what changes Lorana's mind about Zan and John and that she should turn sides against Mm Tallinn. And is actually how he ultimately saves Zan when they do unity at the end. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to Rigel for a second because
0: I pulled this clip because Rigel has the best, funniest line in this entire episode. And this is an episode that has a couple other pretty funny lines, but he has the best one. Something Croydon said is disturbing me. Finally! I've been saying that since he arrived
1: what he said about us all having the same dream.
0: It wasn't the same. Mine was better than yours. I sense Delvian trickery here, Rigel.
1: We must leave this place. Get the food first. (laughs) Oh, Rigel, I love you so much. It wasn't the same. Mine was better. (laughs) (laughs) And get the food first. Don't forget the food when we run away from here.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. I love it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately, Rigel, Dargo, and Aaron don't have a whole lot to do in this episode because they get sidetracked by their little fears. And, like, Aaron's fear is being incompetent and her pulse rifle breaking. And Dargo sees Jothy running around the ship and a peacekeeper chasing him. And (laughs) Rigel... Rigel imagines himself really tiny and there's actually a couple of funny back and forth where pilots like you were never smaller. But that's <laughs> yeah, he's like
0: he's like Dargo almost stepped on me and pilots like you were n- I keep telling you you were never any smaller. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that's kind of it for them. I mean, it's really funny, uh, the couple scenes we get, but um, this this episode really hinges on John and Zan's relationship. And also, the two other Delvians who are supporting Tallinn, they actually change sides. Mm-hmm. Um, Lorana's one of them who's been messing with John's mind, and I don't think we ever get the, the other guy's name, or if we did, I forgot what it was. Yeah. He's been messing with the guys on Moya. But anyway... He's been questioning this whole episode, these little moments, Lorana's dedication to Tallinn. And the actual way that John is able to save Zan is that Lorana lets him go of the mind games and they turn on Tallinn in that they they enable John to help Zan. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of cool that, that it's not, that not our crew who's saving the day. It really is these two Delvian characters who are realizing what's the right thing to do in this situation. Mm-hmm. And it's to to save Zan. Yeah, but you're right. The rest of the crew pretty much does the same thing all episode, which
0: is run around after their fears. Yes. And the, and the episode actually is so much more about characters that we are not invested in. Like there's a, a lot of this episode that's just devoted to this random Delvian sect. And I actually really, I don't know, I really liked it. Because sometimes it's nice to just have an episode that doesn't have to be about our characters it can be about actual other cultures it felt a little bit more like a star trek episode yeah yeah. where you've got where the actual plot hinges around something that's not internal to the crew
1: right and not under their control it's actually a really cool bit of world building because the ship that the delvians arrive on on this planet is what zan calls a missionary ship and it makes a crater when it lands and so the ship actually goes underground partially as intentionally so that it's smaller and and more hidden from orbit. But the ship turns into this really gorgeous, not turns into, but is a really gorgeous interior that can then be a habitat on a planet. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's really cool world building. So we talked about Zan having John there as her reality check. And what's interesting about having
0: John there is that when he finds out what she did, He's really judgy about it. Yeah, he's really like, "Why would you show me that? That's a horrible thing to do. You killed that guy you were sleeping with." Oh, my. You know, he's like really judgy, but then he gets over it pretty quickly. And maybe that is why she told him this I don't know
1: that any yeah. of the other
0: characters would have understood as quickly as John did.
1: He is a reality checker. He tells her the idea is crazy. She goes through with it anyway, and she does agree with him that it's crazy, but but she does go through with it.
0: Um. So then, yeah, Lorena, Lorena, Lorena lorana lorana decides to essentially turn against her master and she tells john that the only way to get zan back from being not crazy is to share unity with her and essentially give her back some of the peace that she had lost or give her back some of the peace that she thinks she's lost because according to talin even though talin ripped everything from zan's mind Zan still kept that kernel of self-control. Talene didn't get the self-control that Zan had. Yeah. Which makes me think that maybe the self-control Zan has is possibly different than what they're used to sharing. Maybe it's something unique to her or maybe it is just something that comes with practice. Like Mm -hmm. maybe deep down Zan actually is insane. Yeah. But... She's just developed ways to mitigate that or something like that. I don't know. Something that you couldn't teach somebody else. Yeah. Well, also, I
1: mean, it doesn't have to be a physical thing, right? Because that's kind of how Talene talks about it is like, I'm taking this thing, but it's not a thing. It's a spiritual method, if you will. I mean, Mm -hmm. so it's not something inherently that can be taken away. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like we're doing
0: so much explaining of the plot,
1: this episode, just
0: because... No, and I feel like it's legitimate because this episode is so confusing. Yeah, it's a little bit
1: complicated.
0: (laughs) There isn't a ton of meta here just because the whole episode basically is just very straightforward world building for Mm Xan.
1: So let's talk about the the unity that that John goes through and how their relationship saves Xan. I'm going to play the clip right before they go into unity. Xan thinks that she is going to be sharing unity with Tallinn and she is welcoming that because she's going to murder Tallinn during it, but then she gets a surprise. Where is she? The part of Tallinn in tonight's unity will be played by John Crichton. You wish to share unity
0: with me? You guys are always going on about how hot it is. I thought I'd give it
1: a go. This is not sex. The fusion of our two minds will surely kill you.
0: Not if you're careful. I hear you can protect me. If you want to.
1: I see no purpose to this union. <laughs>
0: you translated microbes handle that one?
1: Although. I must admit. I have always wondered what could possibly go on in there. Not a lot. I'm a guy. Come on, Zan. What are you afraid of? So you have Xan who is insane at this point, or you know, lost her control to Tallinn and she doesn't want to do this with John as she's she's really focused on Tallinn. And here John is asking her to protect him, which she doesn't think she has the capability of doing anymore. And then he goads her into into going into this unity with her. And what I like about that is is John is seeing something in Xan that she does not believe that she has anymore. And that's part of this whole reason that they need to um, go into unity together is so that he can help her recover the parts that she thinks she has lost because she hasn't actually lost them.
0: What I like about Zan trusting John to be her reality check is that even though they all you know think pretty poorly of John,
1: yeah, put him down,
0: yeah, they put him down a lot <laughs> and not and like to be honest, not without reason <laughs> you know they the what really works for me here is that it is John's kind of emotional ties and kind of John playing. To his strength, which is his emotional ties to the crew, that ends up saving Zan. Mm-hmm. So at Lerna's at advice, he and Zan do perform Unity, and we get to see we get to see first of all what Unity actually is, because this time they narrate it versus last time versus the other two times where it's just like, oh, okay, this looks cool. So they narrate it, and she kind of tells him what he's seeing, and then she also gets a chance to hear what he thinks of her.
1: Look at yourself as I see you, gentle, giving. That's you, Zan. Talene can't take that, and she didn't. You're still that Pahu. Follow me, Zan. See what I see. Build on that peace. I really love that one. There's something, I don't know, there's something really powerful about seeing yourself through the eyes of someone else. And here it's very direct, but even, you know, it's like you overhear a compliment that someone else is making to a third person about you and you're not supposed to hear it so you know it's true. It's that kind of, that kind of feeling that Zan is getting because John cannot lie to her in unity because it's so opening of the mind and the body and the soul. There is a deep truth to what he sees in her and all the things that she has given him compassion and help and being giving and kind to him, even if she gently mocks him, but she is still the one who has been kindest to him overall through his painful transition. Mm-hmm. And he's able to give that back to her. And I think that's just really beautiful. Mm hmm.
0: Yeah, it's it's him gifting her with something, and that phrase "build on that piece" is so poetic. I love it. Yeah, and it and it does kind of it does kind of tell you know that this isn't this isn't him actually giving her back the piece that she lost because that took her seventeen cycles to build. Yeah, but maybe it shows her that it was never really taken away. Yeah,
1: that it isn't
0: it isn't going to be impossible for her to rebuild it. Yeah that's actually kind of where their emotional arc ends is that she feels like she's not really a Pa'u anymore. But then we find out that she still does retain all of her Pa'u talents or all of her Pa'u powers, because when um, she has John cut down the sanctity root, which is supposed to be a symbol of the sex purity. And um, while he's cutting it down, the others, you know, all the other people are like, ah, what are you doing? What are you doing? And Taline actually comes in and tries to like, kill john and zan protects him and she says you know when we shared unity you took from me but i also got something from you and so now zan is technically a 10th level pao she leveled up she's yeah (laughs) she leveled up (laughs) i I did it was kind of like a video game thing where i'm like okay cool (laughs) Um, now you get this new power she gets to choose a new thing from her skill from her skill tree (laughs) oh man okay, that one was a little that one was like a little fallout show yeah the episode actually ends with even though she's leveled up she leaves her robes on the planet and i want to play that clip because her reasoning is interesting
1: the vestments of a pauper. it feels like a shroud i'm no longer worthy you do
0: that and she wins
1: It's not about winning, John. Each day infuses us with the knowledge we carry into tomorrow. I'm, I will be a Pa'u again, but I am not today. Seems
0: a shame waste all those years of training. Hardly wasted.
1: They were the best cycles of my life. Yeah, but I really like what she says about it's not about winning. I think Mm. that's a really nice sentiment to have because it's not about beating Tallinn or a one-upmanship or competition. It is about her own self-journey, and that's the important part for Zan, and that's what it should be important for anyone in that kind of situation. Like, don't worry about everyone else. You do you, and you do it Mm -hmm. the way you need it to be done. And I really Mm. like that sentiment there.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's really good. And it does kind of echo back to what she did in the first place, which is that we, we are led to believe that she was pretty top notch before she left Delvia, that she was, you know, if not a pat, she was very high ranked Yeah. Um. in terms of her abilities, because that's the only thing that would have let her be strong enough to kill the Tan. But it was only in her exile, it was only in her imprisonment that she became the Zan we know today, the powerful yeah. Zan that we know today. Yeah. And so it is kind of her realizing that like she can do it, that, you know, it's it was hard the first time and it'll be harder the second time, but she can do it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um. So that was pretty much I mean, that was pretty much this episode. I think John and Aaron had like one pretty cool moment together. But because the whole episode was essentially John and our imaginary Alex and John and our imaginary or er, and our <laughs> John and our imaginary Alex and John and our very real <laughs> Zan, they only had kind of like one moment yeah together
1: so yeah how would you rate this episode I liked it I didn't
0: love it love it I don't know like
1: 3.5 maybe yeah I would give it a three three and a half I, I think it's a very solid episode and I really like that it's Zan centric and we learn a lot about her backstory but it also didn't blow me out of the water with it mm-hmm. very solid episode
0: yeah very solid yeah I think like a three is actually a pretty good rating for it because it's it's like solid But it did have, like, a little bit of flab. Yeah. You know, like, there were conversations that people had, like, the same conversation multiple times (laughs) in the same
1: episode. Well, to be fair, they needed to because it was so confusing at the beginning. Yeah, right. And, I mean,
0: I did, like, like I said, I loved that there were no, as you know, Bob conversations. Mm -hmm. That was really good. Yeah. (laughs) But it did involve, like, a little bit of mental legwork. Yeah. What was John wearing this episode? I didn't note it down.
1: (laughs) White Shirt Walk, the sequel. He is in a gray shirt and white underwear in the opening scene. But when he's down on the new moon of Delvia, he is now in the black shirt and pants combo. So he Ooh. changes. Is it are they his leather pants yet? No. I don't think he gets the leather pants until season two. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Okay. Or at least until stuff happens at the end of season one. <laughs> <laughs> stuff. <laughs> stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler warning. <laughs> stuff happens. No, he's in his black cargo pants and the utility belt in the black shirt. I did write it down. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that was the
0: episode. If you liked it, go ahead and rate us on iTunes because that's how other people can find us.
1: Otherwise, we will see you next week for Jeremiah Crichton. Oh! Get ready for some fun times. By that, we mean (laughs) Mockfest.
0: Yeah. This is, yeah. Jeremiah Crichton is actually pretty good. (laughs) Bye. Uh,
1: Okay, Bye.